reading is taken from the book of Hebrews. Um, It's on page 1212 in the Church Bibles. Um, Hebrews 13, beginning at verse 7, reading till verse 19. So that's page 1212 in the Church Bibles. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gates, to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honourably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. Thank you, Ella, for reading. Hi, everyone. My name is Gideon. And I'm one of the ministry trainee here at Christ Church. For the past four weeks uh, in the evening service, we've been going through Hebrews chapter 13. And in the previous chapters of Hebrews, the authors made a case for why Jesus is the greatest, why he's greater than the angels, why he's greater than Moses, and why he's our heavenly high priest. And famously, in chapter 11, Jesus provides. Uh, the author provides us with a, a list of people who have exhibited God-pleasing faith. And the author finishes this letter to the Hebrews by concluding with a list of exhortations in chapter 13. And we've spent the past four weeks looking at some of these exhortations. Uh, an exhortation is a, a message of encouragement, a challenge based on scripture. Or simply put, an exhortation can be seen as a practical tip for Christian living. And so far in chapter 13, authors touched upon Christian hospitality, Christian attitude towards marriage, 
Christian contentment in God, and he's also spoken about holiness. And we come to another exhortation this week, and it's about our attitude towards our leaders. Chapter 13 makes three references about Christian leaders. In verse 7, remember them. In verse 17, have confidence in them. And then in verse 24, greet them. Our focus this evening will be verses 17 to 19. However, we will refer to the preceding verses in order to provide context for this particular piece of advice. In a way, verses 7 to 19 form a a coherent section about Christian attitude towards their leaders. So we'll sort of oscillate between these two verses, but our base will be from verses 17 to 19. So let's dive in. I wonder if you've ever thought about why you allow your church leaders to lead you. Why place implicit confidence in their leadership? Why do we trust in them and allow them to make decisions on our behalf? You could say, well, it's because it's quite practical to have it that way. I guess you'd be right to a certain extent. It makes sense to a certain point. Why do we trust our leaders to lead us? I guess it may not be the most pressing thought on your mind, but nevertheless, you might appreciate that it's a pretty important question to ask. How is my church run? What should my attitude be towards my church leaders? Is this an issue that the Bible has something to say about? Yes, it does, because it's an important issue. And in Hebrews chapter 13, the author wants us to know a few things as we relate to our church leaders. Firstly, the author wants us to have confidence in our leaders. doesn't really leave room for an option, does it? doesn't really give us a choice. It's essentially a command. Look at verse 17 with me. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you. As those who must give an account, do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden for that would be of no benefit to you. Why should we have confidence in our leaders? What should be our starting point? Which brings us onto our first point. Be led by leaders who speak from God's word. Have confidence in your leaders because they speak from God's word. Look at verse 7 with me. Verse 7 of chapter 13. Look at what it says. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Why have confidence in our leaders? Because they speak God's word to us. It seems fairly straightforward, doesn't it? A key role, if not a primary role, of a church leader is to preach God's word. Not everyone involved in church leadership will preach. Some might be involved in other areas of church ministry, such as mission or counseling, for instance. However, whatever area of ministry they're involved in, what they'll all hopefully have in common in their ministry will be to lead God's people by primarily speaking God's word to them. Whether it's preaching or pastoral care, God's word will take precedence. It will guide them as they lead us. A lot of you might have heard of the term evangelical. Um, It's a term commonly used when thinking about how Christians relate to the Bible. Um, Essentially, the term evangelical just simply means that we take the Bible seriously. And I guess here at Christ Church, I'd like to think that we're an evangelical church. I know that because it says so on the website, but 
Nevertheless, here at Christchurch, we, we take the Bible seriously because we take God's word seriously. We want to listen to what he has to say to us. We believe that God's word will, will guide us in all that we do in matters of faith. That's why it's good to have your Bibles open when listening to a sermon. It helps you to follow the sermon, but also helps you to make sure that the person speaking at the front is speaking from God's word, the Bible. So I hope you've got yours open now as I'm speaking. Why have confidence in our leaders when they speak to us from God's word? Well, because all scripture is God-breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. Have confidence in your leaders. Not because of their charisma or personality. No. Have confidence in their leadership because they lead you by first of all speaking God's word to you. That's the starting point. God's word will, will grow us in our Christian lives. It will teach us and correct us. It will train us in righteousness. I guess you might be thinking, well, lots of people speak God's word. Why should I have confidence in them? Look at verse 7 of chapter 13 again. Look at what it says. Not only remember the words they spake to you, but consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Essentially, have confidence in your leaders because they practice what they preach. It's a fair enough statement, isn't it? Uh, a great British pastime is um, to give our politicians a hard time. Um, it seems fair enough, doesn't it? And I guess in 2009, the expensive scandal was a time when a lot of our political leaders were exposed for their dishonesty and taking advantage, for their, um, taking advantage of their position for personal gain. It, it was a scandal that exposed their dishonesty. MPs were claiming for things like fake mortgages and for building an island to house their ducks in their pond. There was a gap between what they said on telly and what they did in private, and it brought confidence in them to an all-time low. Do our leaders practice what they preach, or are they just leading double lives? See, if our church leaders are faithfully preaching from God's word, not only will it be good for us as we hear it, it will grow us, but it will also be good for them. And the evidence will be in their lifestyles. Have confidence in your leaders because the word they speak to you is also at work in their own lives. Consider the way of life of your leader and see if their faith is worth imitating. What might it look like to imitate the life, to consider the life of our leaders? I guess 1 Timothy chapter 3, um, verse 16 is quite helpful. It provides a list of qualities and expectations of our church leaders. Church leaders should be temperate, should be a man of one wife or a woman of one husband if they're married. They should be self-controlled and hospitable, not violent, able to manage their family if they have one. We're not to expect perfection from our leaders, but we're to, to hold them to a high moral standard. I suppose there'll be things that church leaders do which might cause congregations to have or to lose confidence in their leaders, I suppose. If you attend the church where a church leader is, I don't know, a man of more than one wife, or if a church leader is using the church funds to, to live a, a luxurious lifestyle on the side, then I suppose that would be a time not to have confidence in your leader. 
They might preach God's word to you, which is good for you, but upon consideration of their lifestyle, you lose confidence in their leadership because their life isn't an example to the people they lead. Their faith isn't worth imitating. Our leaders should not only speak from God's word, they should live it out as an example. Their faith should be worth imitating. These are the leaders we can have confidence in. And what are we to do once we have confidence in our leaders? Well, we're to submit to their authority. Look at verse 17 again. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. You see, submission in this sense is conditional. It's not a blind submission, but rather it's a submission based on confidence. Are they speaking God's word to you? Are they living it out? If so, then confidently submit to their authority over you. Because as you submit to their leadership, you allow them to do their job. And what's that? Well, they keep watch over you. Submission to the authority of our leaders, it allows them to keep watch over us. Are they preaching from God's word? Yes. Are they practicing what they preach? Yes. If then, then you should also have confidence that they will keep watch over you as you submit to their leadership. You see, our our church leaders, they have a job to do. They keep watch over us. Uh, Another translation says they watch over our souls. Uh, This has more of a a spiritual connotation. It's not to say that church leaders aren't practical. They shouldn't always just speak in Bible verses. Rather, keep watch in this sense. It means that they're able to spiritually watch over us like a shepherd does for his flock. Or a sentry stands watch on military duty. They will keep, up, keep watch over us spiritually. I used to do a bit of sailing. And um, as, a, as a night watch leader, now and again, um, I'd be upstairs on, on a boat deck with my crew. And we'd be on, on watch for boats or ships passing by. And because we're sailing at night, as you, as you spot one, you, you point it out to the skipper or to the person steering the boat. You've got a boat on your starboard side, your left-hand side. Where I can't really see it. Uh, 11 o'clock. Oh, yep. Got it. Thank you. Our leaders, they, they keep watch. They are alert. And they have the duty of shepherding God's people. They're watching out for danger. And one of the dangers they'll steer us away from will be strange teaching. Look at verse 9. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. In the time the author wrote this, there was some confusion over the approach of ceremonial food. Some of the Jewish Christians were, were carrying forward old traditions. They thought that eating certain foods made you strong. They thought it strengthened their heart. And, and the author is saying, no, this, this practice is at odds with the gospel of grace through Jesus. It's not about the food you eat. No, it's the grace of God through Jesus Christ. That's what truly strengthens your heart. I guess another key time in history for for correcting strange teaching was the Reformation. The Reformation arose because of the strange teaching that kept into the church about salvation and how it worked. They said, oh, salvation can be achieved through money and works. And then faithful leaders like Martin Luther rose and said, no, you've got it wrong. Good works and money can't save you. Rather, we are saved, we are justified 
through faith alone in the saving work of Jesus Christ. I wonder what the strange teachings that creep into the church today might be. Strange teachings about attitude regarding marriage. Inconsistent with the Bible. Maybe it's just teaching which creeps in into the church that says sin doesn't matter anymore. Everyone gets saved regardless of whether they accept Jesus. Leaders who faithfully teach us from God's word will, will keep us from strange teaching. They will keep us from fa- false doctrine, which is a danger to our soul. They will also encourage, encourage us in our Christian walk, not just on a Sunday, but to live it out every day. Verses 10 to 16, they go on to describe how to live in response to what Jesus has done for us. So we should follow his example, even if it means stepping outside our comfort zone, even if it means facing disgrace and rejection for Christ's sake. They will encourage each and every one of us to live daily in response to what Jesus has done for us. Why? Because one day they'll give account to God. Verse 17. Because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For what? For that would be of no benefit to you. The work our church leaders do deals with eternal consequences. Our church leaders, they'll be accountable to God one day. Accountable for, accountable for how they watched over us. So we should let them do their job. Let them lead us. Don't let it be a burden for them. Don't let it be a slog. If you have confidence in your leader, if you have confidence that they're godly, then submit and let them lead you. It will be of benefit to you. I wonder if that's something you think about often. What is my attitude towards my church leader, my pastor? Am I easy to lead? Or am I just often a pain? If you are just a pain, then, well, you're not making their job seem easy or joyful. You're just being a burden. It's not, no benefit to you. Humbly submit to the authority of godly leaders. And their job of keeping watch over you will be a joy. So, be led by leaders who speak from God's word and live it out in their own lives. Why? Because it will give you the confidence to submit to the authority they have as they keep watch over you. It will steer you away from danger, false teaching. It will encourage you to live in daily response to the saving work of Jesus. Not only are we to be led by leaders who speak from God's word, we're to be led by leaders who are, are dependent on God through prayer, which brings us onto our second heading. We're to be led by leaders who are dependent on God through prayer. And look at verse 18 with me. We pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. You see, the author himself is a Christian leader. And as he finishes his list of exhortations, practical tips for Christian living, he, he finishes off by asking for prayer. Verse 18, pray for us. Verse 19, I urge you to pray. You see, faithful church leaders won't only encourage us by speaking God's word to us, they'll also encourage us to pray. Pray for ourselves and also to pray for them and their ministry. It's certainly what the author of Hebrew wants his readers to do. The reason why the author has written these words of exhortation is in order to guide and encourage his church 
However, what's the final thing he wants them to do? He wants them to pray. It's an acknowledgement that no one can carry out the gospel ministry on their own strength. We're all, including our leaders, utterly dependent on God's grace to do his work. And prayer, it gives us an, an opportunity to express our dependence on God. I wonder what your attitude is towards prayer. What's the attitude of your church leader towards prayer? That's a good question to ask, isn't it? Does my church leader value prayer? Are they dependent on God by praying to him and living it out for their congregations? Uh, In his influential book on prayer, um, A Praying Life by Paul E. Miller, he writes, If you're not praying, then you are quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you need in life. You'll always be a little too tired, a little too busy. But if, like Jesus, you realize you can't do life on your own, then no matter how busy, no matter how tired you are, you'll find the time to pray. If we're not praying for our leaders, is it because we're, we think they don't need it? They're so talented, so capable, almost perfect pretty much, and they don't really need our prayers. Or maybe it's just that we're too busy with life. We hardly find time to pray for ourselves. How, how on earth are we going to find time to pray for our church leaders? You see, how we pray in general will reflect our attitude towards God. How dependent we all are on him. We think that our leaders can get by on sheer charisma and knowledge alone. Or do we think that they're, just like us, utterly dependent on God? Our leaders won't only lead us to listen to God by speaking his word to us, but also model it out model how we speak to God by encouraging us to pray for him, pray to him. Why? Because we're all dependent on God. Leaders can't do ministry in their own strength. They need our prayers. They need God's help. In, in a way, verse 18 reflects the author's request for prayer regarding in private life, his ministry, and verse 19, in a sense, reflects his request for prayer for his public ministry. Look at verse 18 with me. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. Pray for us. When the author is asking for support of his readers, it's a reminder of the need for prayer felt by those in, um, excuse me, in places of church leadership. He commends the integrity of his own lifestyle to his readers to affirm his encouragement to them. He's a leader they can have confidence in. Why? because of his desire to live honorably in every way. It's a good prayer to pray for our leaders, isn't it? That the part of their lives hidden from us will be honorable in every way. That they would have clear consciences as they lead us. Uh, In the letter to Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes, As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Because of Jesus, God will hear our prayers. Let's pray that God will graciously keep our leaders on the right path. And he will graciously fill them with a desire to live life honorable in every single way. Not just at church when they're in front of us on a Sunday, but at home, in private, with their families, on their own. God will graciously grant them the strength to live lives that are worthy of imitating. 
Also pray for the time when you do see them, whether it's on a Sunday or just during the week. Pray that God will continue to restore them. Verse 19, I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you. The author of this letter was probably a member of the church he was writing to, but for some reason he he wasn't able to be with them. And so he requests their prayer so that he may be restored to them. In a way, it's part of the reason why he's writing to them, to teach and encourage them to live out their faith daily. But the author knows that nothing beats being with his congregation in person. And so he requests their prayer that he may be restored to them soon. In a way, it's easy for us to take for granted the fact that our church leaders are pretty much around all the time. It's what we've come to expect, isn't it? And it's a, it's a good expectation to have. But, not, but one that's not always a given, isn't it? Especially in some parts of the world. And let's be prayerful that God would continually restore our leaders to us. We pray that he would keep them well, physically. That they wouldn't burn out. We pray that our leaders would desire to be amongst us as they lead us. Pray that their work would be a joy and not a burden as they minister to us, not just here on Sunday, but during the week, in the community, hospital bedside, wherever they are. Let's pray that God would continue to give them strength to carry out the work he's called them to. So, be led by leaders who speak from God's word and be led by leaders who are, are dependent on God through prayer. If you like, the first point, being led by leaders who speak from God's word, is in a sense part of our our communication with God. By reading his word for ourselves and hearing it spoken to us, we learn to listen to God's word through scripture. All scripture is God-breathed. If the first point teaches us to listen to God, then the second will encourage us to speak to him through prayer, expressing our dependence on him. In a sense, you can say, Have confidence in in your leaders because they want you to grow in your relationship with God by encouraging you to communicate with him. They teach you to listen to God by speaking his word to you. And they encourage you to speak back to him through prayer. Yeah, leaders will do more than just these two things. Another part of their role will be to encourage us not just to know the truth of the gospel, but to live it out. If if you like, good leaders will, will create a spark that will lead into a roaring flame when they're not there. Spark the flame that roars when we live our lives daily outside of church. And I suppose different leaders will inevitably lead differently. They have different visions for their church based on their demographic and the area of their church. I think that's fine. Not every church will be the same. However, two things that won't be optional two things that should be non-negotiable in their leadership will be their attitude toward God's word and their dependence on him through prayer. What about the leaders that fail us? When after years of seemingly faithful leadership, it turns out they've been leading a double life or when you hear about the, the terrible moral failure they've fallen into. It's not just the possibility of good leaders failing, it's the the nature of church leadership. They, they come and go at some points. Some will retire, some will move away, and some will pass away. In the face of all the, the possible uncertainties, how can Christians stay confident in their leaders? I look at verse 8 with me, 
a verse which really anchors this passage. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our leaders will come and go. Their time is limited. Some will fail, fall, sorry. Some will be long forgotten. And yet, we can rest assured in the one leader who won't, the Lord Jesus, who will remain the same, unchanging for all eternity, a leader who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, in, in Jesus, we have a leader who has given us every reason to completely trust in him. Why? Because he's a leader who, who perfectly spoke God's word and lived in full obedience to it. A leader who modeled dependence on God by praying and teaching us how to pray. A leader whose authority we can always lovingly submit to because he's perfect. Why have confidence in our leaders? Because they will encourage us to look to the best leader in Jesus who is unchanging in every possible way. As Christians, we don't come to church for our leaders. We come to church because of Jesus. I went to the cricket the other day, and apart from the rain, I uh, I thought the the stewarding was brilliant. Uh, There was a steward every 10 meters or so directing you where to go. But I wasn't there to see the stewards. I was there to see the main event, England versus Australia. If you like, every time we come to church, Jesus is the main event. It's all about Jesus. And our faithful leaders will will continue to steward us to see Christ and what he has done for us. Have confidence in leaders who encourage you in your relationship with God. A relationship which is only possible because of what Jesus has done. Through his sacrifice and death on the cross, he paid for our sins. Jesus has made God accessible to us. See, you can be led by leaders who always point you to the unchanging Christ because he's the one we can have a 100% confidence in. He will never let us down or leave us. Let's continue to pray for our church leaders. Let's pray for our church leaders worldwide. Let's pray for the Church of England leadership. Let's pray for our church leaders here at Christ Church. That all leaders would, would faithfully lead us in God's word. That they would encourage us to live lives dependent on God through prayer. I'll pray for us and then I'll hand back over to Matt. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word to us. Thank you for how it speaks to us and moves us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit which gives us uh, the ability to understand your word to us. Thank you for the the leaders you provide for us. Would you give us uh, the spirits and the humility to, to confidently submit to our leaders as they lead us? And would they uh, cause us to to look to your son, Jesus, as the one leader who we can completely trust, as the one leader who has paved the way for us to come before you. I thank you for your word to us, and please would you give us hearts that are willing to respond as you speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.